You're listening to the International Family Church Podcast. Our ministry philosophy can be summed up in one statement. It's not about building a great church. It's about building a great people. We do this through our regular weekend services, life groups that meet throughout the week, and by helping people connect to their God-given purpose. Parents, mark your calendars. July 9th through the 11th, we're having Vacation Bible School for ages 3 to 5th grade from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Your child will experience interactive Bible lessons, sing songs with IFC worship, as well as expand their discoveries through crafts and games. You can register at intlfamilychurch.com slash VBS. If you'd like to be part of VBS, we're accepting volunteers. Connect with Erica Jones, our Kids World Director, through our website to find out how you can help. Coming up on Saturday, July 13th, we'll be joining hundreds of churches to take part in a nationwide initiative called Serve Day. Serve Day is an annual opportunity for the church to get out of the church and make a difference in the surrounding community. If you're passionate about helping people in a way that can impact their lives forever, we want to encourage you to join us for this special day. You can play an important role in helping others by spreading the love of Jesus in the greater Boston area and beyond. Be sure to mark your calendars for Serve Day, July 13th. Now here's today's message. Are you ready for God's Word today? Let's pray for them, the 21 that are leaving us uh, on mission trip, and let's pray for this message today. Father, we are so grateful for 21 young adults saying yes. 21 young adults making themselves available to be a blessing. And Father, we just speak life over them. We thank you for your angels that are constantly camped about them, protecting them, watching over them. Thank you they are healthy and strong while they're there. Bring them back safely to us. In Jesus' name, with lives changed, hearts enlarged, they will never, never be the same. So we bless them today. We'll continue to pray for them over this next week. Father, we thank you for your word we're about to hear. I believe, Father God, that your word is about to answer questions, minister needs, some that we know, some that we don't even know we have. I pray, Father God, that wisdom will flow and understanding will come so that we can be the best that we can be. Stretch us and challenge us and love us enough to tell us the truth. And we're so grateful for it today. We're careful to give you all the honor, all the glory and praise. And all of God's people said, this is our final part, part four in our series, um, When Opportunity Knocks. I've so enjoyed this series, and I enjoyed this series for many reasons, but I'm enjoying it because it's a very strategic series. Uh, not that every series isn't important, it really is, it enlarges us, but sometimes there are certain seasons that certain words just should be spoken. Um, and they affect a wide range of people, and uh, they're affecting us as a congregation, as a church family, you as individuals, as your family. We've learned that God is a God of opportunity, isn't he? And he wants us to enjoy the opportunity every day, not just once in a while, not once a quarter, once every three years. He wants us enjoying opportunity every day. Every day being aware that right around us are opportunities, right around us are possibilities, right around us are are these amazing potentials uh, that God wants to do in our lives and use us uh, for others. So God's a God of opportunity. He doesn't want you to live your life frustrated. Always right there at the doorstep of opportunity, but never quite walking through the door. That's not God's will. God wants you to be prepared and ready when opportunity knocks. So we've been asking this lingering question throughout this series, and I pray that it continues beyond this series. When opportunity knocks, will you be ready? 
I pray you've taken that serious, written it down somewhere, put it on your digital device, on a mirror somewhere, refrigerator, somewhere where you can see it on your desk. When opportunity knocks, will you be ready? Because I promise you that opportunity will be knocking. I promise you because God's a God of opportunity that he wants you to experience these opportunities, but he wants you prepared and ready for them. Our key verse has been in uh, 1 Corinthians 16.9. For a great and effective door has opened up to me, and there are many adversaries. We've been amplifying the word great and effective to help you see the amazing opportunity this is. The word great means unusually large in size and dimension. Effective, valid, or powerful, producing desired results. I've said every week, that sounds like opportunities I've been praying for. That sounds like opportunities you've been praying for right? Opportunities for God to open up uh, this, uh, this possibilities for us. Other translations talk about a wide door of opportunity has been opened to you. Amen. If you're not praying for opportunities like this, you should start. You should start. You shouldn't sell yourself short. You shouldn't doubt yourself. You shouldn't think, I don't qualify for opportunities. The kind of life I've lived, I've, I've been up and down and all around. No, 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 no. A child of God, God's not... God is not expecting perfection out of you. He just wants progress out of you. As we say here at IFC, keep the growing going. Just don't stop growing. Keep it up. Rely on God's grace. God knows how to take us from point A to point B, whether you think you deserve it or not. Many people don't pray for opportunities because they don't think they qualify. Every one of you should be praying for these opportunities. Why aren't more of us experiencing these opportunities? One of the reasons why is because the verse says, and there are many adversaries. Right around the door of opportunity is never you know, clear sailing. There's always going to be these opportunities, opposition, attitudes, people, situations that rise up that try to stop you. As I said last week, while I was making a list of, of adversities years ago, when I was pretty fresh um, pastoring this church, the Lord said to me, he said, just make sure you're not one of those adversaries. And so we want to make sure that even though there are many adversaries, make sure you're not one of them because of your self-doubt or your fear or your thinking you're not ready or on and on and on it goes that we stand in our own way. Let me tell you something. When God opens a door of opportunity, it will be the right door, but don't you ever think it'll be a problem-free door because it won't be. Many times opportunities are dressed up in opposition right? Was it Ben Franklin, I think, that said that, that don't mis people misunderstand, they don't see work because it's oftentimes dressed up in overalls, right? We don't want the overalls. We want, we want, we want a, the easy way, but God knows how to bring it to us. So we understand that these truths are so real. Last, in the first part, part one, we talked about Five important things you need to know about the doors in your life. Outstanding. I would encourage you to go back and review. You need to understand the doors in your life. Part two, we talked about the door of discernment. How do we know which doors to walk through? How do we know which doors to walk past? Last week, we talked about the door of courage. Once you know or have a sense of your door, you can't let fear stop you. You have to have courage. Courage to rise up and say, I can do this. And no matter... If I still feel the fear, sometimes I have to do it and walk through it afraid. Today we're going to talk about two doors. We're going to talk about the door of inconvenience. 
or I would also call it the door of interruption. And I also want to talk about the door of opportunity. The door of opportunity. Have you ever noticed that opportunity that God brings us doesn't necessarily come at great times in your life? Like when everything is all wonderful, all the bills are paid, everybody's happy, right? Uh, the birds are singing, the sun is shining, there's a south wind blowing. Wouldn't that be great that during times where there's extra time, there's margin, that God would open certain doors then? But how many know God doesn't necessarily do it at your convenience, right? He doesn't necessarily do it when you feel ready. See, there's many of us in this room today, and I said us, many of us in this room today that very seldom feel ready. But oftentimes God knows when you're ready, even when you don't feel like you're ready. Wow. See, Paul told Timothy a very important lesson. Timothy was his spiritual son and a servant of God, a minister of the gospel. And he tells him that he had to be ready to fulfill his duties, his responsibilities, when it was convenient and when it was inconvenient. To be ready in season and out of season. And here's the verse of scripture that he tells him this in 2 Timothy 4, 2. He said to Timothy, herald and preach the word. Keep your sense of urgency. Stand by, be at hand, and ready. Whether the opportunity seems favorable or unfavorable, whether it is convenient or inconvenient, whether it is welcome or unwelcome. Wow. See, I doubt Timothy was nearly addicted to convenience like we are in the 21st century. You got to know the simpler times in the first century church. You got to understand that while there, it was, they had their issues, no doubt. If Paul is telling Timothy, hey, pay attention, be on the alert, be ready, be ready for opportunity to come your way. If he needed to be reminded of that, how much more do we need to be reminded to be ready, right? To be uh, responsible to the point that we know how to step into where we need to at the right time and the right place. Now, I'm not suggesting that we do away with our schedules. I'm not suggesting that we let um, other people's drama dictate how we live. I'm not suggesting that we let somebody else's unpreparedness make an emergency for me. I'm not suggesting this is gratuitous in any sense of the imagination. What I am suggesting, and what I want to make sure about today, that we never allow our addiction to convenience to use it as an excuse that I'm just too busy to be used by God. Or I'm just too busy to be a blessing to somebody else. Or I'm just too busy and use it as an excuse why God can't use us when all around us are people that need prayer, need encouragement, right? Uh, need a helping hand, need a ride, uh, need resources, whatever the case may be. So we want to be careful today that we don't allow that to happen in our lives. Because I believe, and I'm sure we would all agree, that being inconvenienced has become a major enemy to being the hands and feet of Jesus to a lost and dying world. I think we'd all say amen to that. Even if you have to say, oh, me, under your breath, um, it nonetheless is true. Here's our big takeaway. Here's what we're going to unpack today. The most rewarding moments in life are always found on the other side of inconvenience. Wow. Now, to you planners... You 
If you haven't ever done the disc profile, you that are heavy C, I have very little of that, but you have a huge to-do list and your self-esteem and well-being happens by making sure you get through your list, this message might challenge you a little bit. <laughs> I say that with a... Did you hear my laugh like I'm setting you up in a major way, right? Listen very carefully. I don't care what kind of personality you have. This is a message that really is a rallying cry to make sure that we understand where opportunities are found. Most rewarding moments in life are always found on the other side of inconvenience. Let's unpack this. Jesus taught us how to beat this enemy that would stand in the way of God using us and experiencing his blessing. In some of his best-known parables, one of which is the parable of the wedding banquet found in Luke chapter 14. You can read about it later. But in this story, each of the invited guests sent a last-minute, sorry, I can't make it reply. And no doubt, there was a wide range of excuses that were used. I'm too busy. This event doesn't seem important enough. Um, I have other pressing engagements. And so one excuse after another. Imagine the huge inconvenience this was to the banquet host, who in this parable is representative of God. Everything was ready. No expense was spared. The food was cooked. The room was hired. The servants were prepared to serve it. But all we needed were the guests, but they declined. Instead of caving in to these invited guests' indifference, the host tells a servant to go near and far and find others off of the original invited list that would be glad for this opportunity. He pressed beyond the huge initial inconvenience that he put on his team, and he inconvenienced them even more to say, keep on reaching more people until the banquet is filled. You see, God's always willing to be inconvenienced to reach somebody else. The question today, are we? The question today, are you? When this feeling like, I don't want to be disturbed, creeps over us, we must show the same resolve as the master of the story showed and be bold enough to counteract the enemy, amen, and declare for the sake of others, I am willing to be inconvenienced, amen. Listen, the fact is that many acts of kindness are inconvenient the, the fact that many acts of kindness are inconvenient, I believe, really, is good for us. And now let me explain. The fact that it is inconvenient to be a blessing is actually good for us. Often such opportunities are what? Testing times. Times when God checks to see whether or not we really are committed you know I'm not the kind of pastor that just hammers you know, that C word, that commitment word all the time, and I get we're busy, and I have busy families, and, and you know, we got a daughter that plays soccer and a son that you know, is into karate, and, and, and the husband is a busy businessman, and the wife is a busy entrepreneur and works at home or works outside. I get the fact that, that we are 
all in, a, in a, one of those um, seasons, no doubt, that we find ourselves very busy. But it doesn't change the fact that we need to really ask ourselves the question, are we willing to go out of our way for others? If you are willing to show acts of kindness to somebody else and realize that no pay comes from that and no um, notoriety or applause comes from that, and you're still willing to do that, it says something about your heart. It really does. It says something about who you really are, and it really does say something about the heart and it, your, its condition, and it really helps us to remain tender in our heart. I get it like you do. I get the fact that, that when life is crazy and life has many opportunities and so many levels of challenge and, and, and on and on it goes and the mortgage and the car and the school and the extra credit and trying to get my real estate license at the same time in a busy family. I understand life can just be a whirlwind and if we're not careful, our hearts can become indifferent. We're just busy. We're just grinding. And we grind and we grind and we grind. And we got to be very careful in the grind that our heart does not become hard. That we need to be tender hearted. Amen. I work hard in the midst of what I see and hear. The stories you can imagine that I hear. And the challenges and the counseling that we have to do and the people that we're being prayed for. I know so many pastors and I worked hard for 43 years not to be a cynical pastor. I work hard against cynicism. Cynicism is everywhere. It's in the church. It's outside the church. It's in your neighborhood. It's on the job. It's in your mind. The temptation to be cynical, to write people off, to say, yeah, right. That's never going to happen. Um, and, and when you're hurt or promises are broken, it's very easy to become cynical, become a cynical woman, a cynical man, a cynical husband, a cynical wife, a, a cynical person, and, and just wonder, you know, when's my turn? And why is all this happening? And we got to fight that. We got to make sure that our hearts remain tender. God cannot use hard hearts. Amen. And we've got to take inventory. Is my heart hard? Am I indifferent? Am I indifferent about the things around me? I've suffered so much myself that, man, I, I've tuned out so much of life. And we need to understand that these testing times are very important. Now, let me tell you something right off the bat. God does not test with evil. Amen. Never. God doesn't test you with a car accident. God doesn't test you with lung cancer. God doesn't test you with abuse. God's not doing that to you. God does not test with evil. Don't let anybody else tell you, well, you're sick for God's glory. Baloney. I can say a lot stronger word, but I'm in church. Just not true. Don't you ever believe that. You turn that guy off on the TV or the radio when they're telling you that, you know, just, just hold on. God will get glory out of you being sick. No. I got to watch my heart right now because that just makes me so mad how the devil robs us and lies to us and tells us things that are just not true. But God does test. He tests with good. The promotion the extra money, the title, the opportunity. He does test with good. And these tests that are from things that we need to respond to reveal the condition of our heart. 
reveal whether or not we will truly be able to experience all that God wants for us. Think about this. When God wanted to see if the Israelites would obey his commandments, he led them, the Bible says, the long way, the hard way in the wilderness. And sometimes he does the same with us. We are very willing to obey God when it's easy. But we are being quickly rewarded for our efforts. And who doesn't want to sow a seed today and reap a harvest tomorrow? I'd sign up for that. How about you? <laughs> right? But it doesn't come that way, does it? There's a process. God's more concerned about you in the process than the answer you're believing God for. God's concerned about your heart. God's concerned about your soul. God's concerned about your, your, your integrity and, 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 and the strength and depth of your life. Absolutely. But what about when it's inconvenient, when it's not according to our plan, and when there seems to be nothing in it for us? How obedient are we then? These are questions that we all need to ask ourselves, amen, and it's very important that we're honest about our level of commitment and realize it's easy to stand in church and sing as we did several weekends ago, I surrender all, but when is it that when it's more than a song and now it's actually a requirement? God's actually requiring us to surrender. He's requiring us a certain level of sacrifice. He's requiring us a certain level of, of, of standing our ground and digging deep and, and not letting go. You know, in our society where everybody gets an A and everybody gets a trophy and everybody gets a medal, amen, we've made a bunch of wimpy people in our society. Everybody wants affirmation. Everybody is so happy. Everybody wants to do it. And as long as it's doing good and everybody's getting a reward and, and you're so wonderful and I affirm you all the time, woo! Don't get me started now. I'm going to get on my soapbox here. I might offend some people, but let me tell you something. What happens is when hard times come, we run to go live back in our mother's basement because we can't handle it. Amen. Just being honest. Amen. We need to learn today that there are challenges in our lives. Think about the Israelites when they were traveling through the wilderness and they were led by the cloud by day and the fire of pillar by night. And according to Numbers 9, when the cloud moved, guess what? They moved. When it hovered, they stopped. They stayed where they were. Interesting that there was no pattern. There was no plan. Um, there was no ability to know, well, three days from now, the cloud's going to move. Get ready. Get the kids in the shower, have a tubby time, right? Get a bath, do the laundry, put gas in the car, because in three days the cloud's going to move. There was no pattern. There was no way to know. Is it going to be during the day and the cloud moves or during the night and wake you up in the middle of the night for when the fire, when the pillar of, of fire moves? And why was that? Why did God do that? It was totally on purpose. Why? So they would be in a state of readiness. They'd always be ready. Always be ready to move when God moved. Always be ready to know that there, this could happen any moment. We might be here a day. We might be here three days. We might be here a while. We might not be here for a while. The Bible says sometimes it moved during the day and sometimes at night. And, 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 and I promise you there was never a sign hung in front of the tent that said, do not disturb sleeping in this morning. 
right? No, that just was never the case. Why? Because God had plans. And when he decided it was time to pack up, it's time to pack up. When it was time to make progress, it was time to follow him and make progress. When he decides it's time for you to move to the next level in your season of life, it's time to move whether you feel ready or not. When it's time for you to use your faith more than you have before, pray more, or, or be more consistent, or, or recognize that it's time to, to check your heart level and your willingness to do what God's asked you to do. Amen. That's imperative that we learn. Amen. It just not, might not be a good time. And, and oftentimes we say, sorry, no can do, not ready to do this, and, and so forth, when God is trying to help us understand, to recognize that there is this state of readiness, this door of interruption, this door of inconvenience. Wouldn't it be nice if God provided a monthly calendar <laughs> that showed all the children of Israel, here's what you can expect in the month of June. Here's when you move, here's when you stay. Here's where the food will be, here's where the water will be. Point it all out to you. I said in the first service, you know, my wife is the executive director here, and Stephanie is the director of operations, and they put out emails all the time that tell us, you know, this has been changed, and this has been changed, and expect this now for the next 30 days of staff meetings, or staff lunch, or staff training, or staff chapel has been changed, and, and so on and so forth. And it's great to have all that. And I, we get out our digital device, and I did it in my phone, my iPad, and everything is synced up, right? And it's all there on their iPad, or their computers, or whatever. Uh, would wouldn't that be nice if God just gave us calendars that showed us everything that would be done, right? All you organized people would say a big amen to that, right? Amen. Yeah, it'd be awesome. But he doesn't do it, does he? No, because there's something about our readiness, something about the readiness to obey God. I'm not suggesting that we throw all that out. Absolutely not. But we need to know that God wants us to understand that it's okay for him to interrupt us. It's okay for us to respond to that interruption when it's God. It's okay to understand and know that that is the key. So question, if God wants us to help people, why doesn't he make it easier and more cost-effective? Another question I would ask that question with another question. Did Jesus sacrifice anything to purchase our freedom and sin from bondage? Wow, yeah. I wonder why he didn't make salvation easier. Why didn't he say, man, just surrender a few things right now. We'll get to the rest of it later. Why does he want us to surrender all? All, that's so many things, Pastor. Why not just a few things? See, it's part of his plan. It's part of our readiness. It's part of our heart. It seems that in God's economy, nothing cheap is worth living. King David said it this way. He said this in 2 Samuel 24. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. Wow. I'm always amazed at how God interrupts one person to ask him or her to do something inconvenient in order to make it convenient for somebody else who is in need. Amen. We must understand God's way, or guess what? We oftentimes will resist what we're supposed to embrace. The simple truth is we must give in order to be fulfilled. Something of value, time, talent, treasure. It can't be a tip to God. It can't be gratuitous. It's got to be something of value. 
I get that when you first start giving to church, it might be that $5 bill in the offering plate. But at some point in time, when we learn and when we grow and when we understand, if we don't do what God's asked us to do, that $5 can be a tip. We don't tip God. Amen. Right? We don't just say whatever, you know, here it is. No, God wants something of value, something that means something to us, something we've worked hard for, something that, that we have, have, have attached value to. Amen. And we understand how true that is. Amen. King Solomon said it this way in Ecclesiastes 11.4. He said, he who observes the wind and waits for all conditions to be favorable will not sow. And he who regards the clouds will not reap. See, in order, in other words, in order for us to learn the importance of giving and obeying God, we have to know that we need to be willing to give to God when it's inconvenient and costly. Amen. Amen. Are you here today? You're very quiet in this third service. (laughs) I'm sure you're listening very closely or saying, oh, me, as you curl your toes up in your shoes. Amen. I remember a time I was complaining to the Lord. I know you don't do that, but I was complaining to the Lord one time about just how hard it seemed. And, and I felt like there was all these requirements he was placing on me that I didn't necessarily see him replacing on anybody else. So I'm looking at everybody else's business like, 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 like I should know, I know all that's going on. I'm thinking, man, I'm getting required for all this stuff that other people are not being required for. And I'm complaining and I heard in my heart, I heard, you know, I've, you've asked me for a lot. And I thought, yeah, I have. And I know that I was in the process at that point of praying and asking God for millions of dollars to flow through our hands to bless our neighborhoods and the nations. And I heard the Lord say, you still want what you're asking for? And guess what I did? I stopped complaining. <laughs> I stopped complaining. Depending how big your dream is, depending on what you're believing God for, depending how big it is, the opportunity that's coming your way, depending on whether or not you really are, are stretching your dream and believing God for big things, don't be surprised that there are certain requirements that come. This is not cheap. God doesn't just do things in a cheap way. Amen. This isn't, you know, a sale um, at Home Goods, right? God's blessings are not on sale. They're right. They they cost us something. They cost you something. And a world that says just do your own thing and do it your way and take it easy and take shortcuts and lie and cheat and, and, and take money under the table and all these other things, it's like, I want this as easy as possible. I get that. But if you want God to do what he needs to do in your life, amen, there oftentimes is this road that will require of us a price and a cost. Am I in the right room? Wow. Amen. Proverbs challenges us. Proverbs chapter 3. Look at this challenge. Never walk away from someone who deserves help. Your hand is God's hand for that person. Don't tell your neighbor, maybe some other time, or try me tomorrow. Wow. See, I, I understand that oftentimes we will miss the purpose of life simply because we don't want to be interrupted in our schedule. 
let me, let me tell on myself here a real-life example of this. My wife and I were traveling to an invitation to minister at a certain church on a weekend. Usually we fly to different places. This was only about five hours away, so we drove. Weather was going to be nice, be an opportunity to be together, and uh, so we drove the five hours. Got there on a Friday night and of course, I had dinner with the pastor and his wife, and Saturday was leadership training, and Sunday, several opportunities to minister God's word. We had lunch and, and felt like we obeyed God, and, and, uh, and on our way, later that afternoon, that Sunday afternoon, we were traveling home. 45 minutes down the road, I'm the kind of guy, I like to get from point A to point B as fast as I can. <laughs> right? So I'm, I'm focused, and we're on the road, and, you know, getting home, and other things that have to be done. And Verna pipes up and says, you know what? I don't think we were done there. We need to turn around and go back. I thought, what? <laughs> turn around and go back? We're 45 minutes in the trip already. Come on, I'm, I'm in a flow here. We're going home. What do you mean turn around? No, I, I really believe we need to turn around. So we had some aggressive fellowship at the moment. And... Uh, <laughs> Like, what? Are you serious? <laughs> you want to turn around and go back? Like, how, how, how? That doesn't make any sense. I'll call them in the morning. I'll call and make sure everything's okay. He said, no, no, no. We need, to, we, need to, we need to pull off the side of the road and pray. I'm thinking, there she goes praying now, right? That's not fair. She, she you know, pulled out the prayer card. So we pulled over, and I kind of prayed a half-hearted prayer, and, and she prayed heaven and earth down like she always does. And guess what we did? We turned around. Yeah, it was right. We turned around. We called ahead and said that we're coming, and and they were surprised. And I said, you know, I want to meet with you, and and Vernon wants to meet with your wife, and and uh, made hotel arrangements again, and and so we got there, and and uh, and four hours later, both of us fell into bed realizing, oh my lord, thank God, we turned around. The condition of their marriage, the condition of their family, the condition of their staff. Oh, my Lord. We, we knew why then more than ever that message that, that was spoken that morning. And, that, and then that mo- next morning we had breakfast and didn't leave till later that afternoon. And, and to this day, this couple says, if, if you did not turn around, there's no guarantee that we'd still be married or we'd still be pastoring this church. To God be the glory. I don't say that to brag. I say that I didn't want to do this. And here's what life teaches us. Life teaches us that all too often the best things in life, the greatest breakthroughs, miracles, and memories seem to be deliberately placed just beyond our convenient reach. It wasn't convenient for me to turn around. I was tired. I wanted to go home. I'm in a flow, right? Who wants to turn around and go back? But we would have missed... Breakthrough, miracles, and amazing testimony of the goodness of God. Listen very carefully. I believe the greatest blessings are protected by just enough problems, just enough setbacks, just enough inconveniences. Why? Because this ensures only those who really want to make a difference will be granted entrance into the incredible things that can happen. Wow. I believe God does that on purpose. 
There's a certain place reserved for those willing to say, I don't want to do this, but guess what? I'm willing to be inconvenienced. I'm open to be inconvenienced. I'm open to your plan. I'm not open to somebody else's disorganization or, or somebody else's drama. But if you're in this, Father, then I understand. See, I want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. How about you? Amen. Amen. I want to be somebody else's answered prayer. Amen. I want to impact North Reading and the surrounding towns and cities. Amen. I actually want millions of dollars to flow through our hands to bless the neighborhoods and the nations that God calls us to. Absolutely. Amen. And how do we get there? We don't get there by just whistling Dixie. We don't get there by just kind of coasting along, looking for the easy way out. Those, all those things and the greatest miracles in your life and memories made and opportunities happen take place right on the other side of inconvenience. Wow. That makes me want to stand up and not be afraid to declare go ahead, God, inconvenience me. Amen. Go ahead, God, and inconvenience me. Look at Matthew 5. He tells us like it is. He says, if they make you walk a mile, offer to walk too. If they demand your shirt, give them your coat too. Amen. Jesus is looking here for some brave, courageous people who will join him together in discovery of the miracles and breakthroughs, amen, that are on the other side of inconvenience. Amen. In other words, when we are willing, amen. Next slide. When we are willing to be inconvenienced on behalf of others, inconvenience can no longer intimidate us. Let me tell you what, when your schedule's shouting, when you're busy as all get out, when you wonder, am I going to get sleep tonight, right? And, it's, and you're in that mode, inconvenience and interruption can be very intimidating. I can't imagine being inconvenienced right now. Can't imagine that. But when you're willing and you're open, guess what? It takes the intimidation factor right out of it. It really does. Let me tell you something. When you get inconvenienced and you show up at that situation, person's house, lunch, whatever, and out of your inconvenience, that person gets born again, let me tell you something. You're thinking, wow, look what the Lord has done, right? You make that call. You talk to that person, you realize later that person's dark thoughts, they were considering suicide because of your love and your encouragement and your input. They have new hope and they're pressing forward to live life and to live it well. Let me tell you something, you'll be so grateful you were inconvenienced. Come on, somebody. When, you, when you, God uses you and God helps you and you see a family come alive and a marriage saved, amen, over 20, 37 years 43 years in ministry, we can see this over and over and over again. There are times I don't want to go to the hospital in the middle of the night. There are times I don't want to counsel these people again. There are times that I say, fine, you know, whatever, let it be. Call Pastor Tom. (laughs) Right? Call Pastor Josh. Uh, I'm not interested. 
It never fails. When you find yourself in that place and because you prayed the prayer of faith and they got healed because you were inconvenienced, let me tell you something. It puts a different spring in your step. It gives a different expectation in your heart to realize, wow, look what God did. Because I was willing to be inconvenienced for somebody else. Oh, my Lord. It changes everything about that. Are you kidding me? We're going to have to step outside of our routines, out of our plans, out of our agendas, if we want to be the hands and feet of Jesus to people that are far from God, people bound by fear, anxiety, and hopelessness. Amen. To be the hands and feet of Jesus, you have to notice people. That means you might have to do one of these things from your phone. Oh, look, there are people here. Right? That means you might have to take out your wireless earbuds. That means you might have to, like, you know, pay attention, look around, realize that there's real life going on around you. Amen. People that have real issues and take off the blinders and and enjoy the journey and disconnect from uh, that clock just for a moment. Amen. And if we'll be willing to do that, it's amazing. People that have been willing to be inconvenienced and interrupted, what a blessing you have been to others. What a blessing this church has been because people have been willing to be inconvenienced, amen? But if we remain addicted to our comfort, God will have to pass us by for somebody else that has a stronger disposition and a greater willingness to let God use them. Not on my watch. You're not getting my blessings because I've been stubborn. How many people got your blessing because you wouldn't go there? I am distinctly aware there are things that I should have experienced and I didn't because I said no and didn't say yes. But there are also many things that I realized I received because I said yes and somebody else said no. I haven't said this for a very long time, but it comes to mind when the church first started, I asked the Lord, not out of complaining, I was just curious. I said, Lord, why did you choose me for International Family Church? Here I was, you know, we were in our mid-20s. Why did you use me to start this church? I wasn't complaining. I was just curious. It was, it was a while before I got my answer, just out of the clear blue, praying one day, and the Lord said this to me. He said, there are others who said no, but you said yes. I thought, wow. Thank you, Jesus. Think about 37 years of blessings I could have missed if I said no. I don't know how many others, but there were others that said no to the assignment for whatever reason. I'm so grateful, either out of my simplicity or stupidity, I said yes. It wasn't any of those. It was knowing no so faith. Otherwise, we wouldn't have lasted this long if it was just out of a hunch. It was something that God put in our heart. I'm grateful we said yes. I would encourage you to keep saying yes so you don't miss out on some of the most amazing opportunities that we could have missed. Amen. But thank God we didn't. In closing, I 100% believe that because we're willing to be inconvenienced and we pass the test of interruption for the sake of others, a door of opportunity has opened up to us. I believe that our momentum has never been stronger. Our, our, our indications of health um, as a church have never been better. Uh, people are being added to church on a regular basis. People are becoming partners on a regular basis. Um, I, I, we're growing in every area, especially in the area of families that have children 
In fact, we've already grown out of the, of the nursery we just built. I want to caution you, don't drink the water here at IFC. Right? If you don't want to get pregnant, don't drink the water. People are having babies galore. Oh, my Lord. Amen. That's good news for some, bad news for others, but uh, amen. Now, to God be the glory for all of that. Absolutely. I'm not complaining, that's for sure. Amen. In this series, we've been asking a question. When opportunity knocks, will you be ready? Well, we here at IFC hear opportunity knocking. This time last year, the Lord spoke to my wife and said this to her. I'm getting provision and people lined up. Get ready. Wrote it down. We took it serious. And then God gave her a scripture in Amos. Who goes to Amos? <laughs> right? My Bible doesn't open up when I lay it down to Amos. <laughs> Anyways, uh, God gave her this scripture, scripture in Amos 9, 13 through 15. Here's what he said. Yes, indeed, it won't be long now, God's decree. Things are going to happen so fast your head will swim. One thing fast on the heels of the other. You won't be able to keep up. Everything will be happening at once. And everywhere you look, blessings. Blessings like wine pouring off the mountains and the hills. Oh, I love that. Amen. Let me tell you something. We took that very serious. And I would ask you to take it just as serious for your life. You see, years ago, we learned to make change our friend. Change does not intimidate us. Change is our friend. We're making room for miracles. God told us, taught us how to make room for miracles. And God gave me this phrase years ago that is so important to me. We don't fear the future. We pioneer it. I'm a pioneer. Just because I've been pastoring this church for 37 years doesn't stop me from being a pioneer. Our mid-20s, we pioneered five people when we started. And we were pioneers making a path where there literally was no path. But I thank God behind the pioneers came the settlers. It's not a bad thing to be a settler. Settlers come and build schools, build hospitals, build neighborhoods, make roads, create civilization, create community. Got to have both. Some of you are pioneers. Some of you are settlers. I am not a settler. And for me to be a settler would be wrong when I'm a pioneer, right? So that's when the settler part just kind of goes off in the wrong direction. I'm a pioneer. Lord told me years ago, we don't fear the future. We pioneer it. I'm not afraid of the future. We pioneer it. Everything we've done, we've done by faith with a pioneer spirit. And, and we believe that a, a wide door of open opportunity has opened up to us. And I believe it's time to lead and to be bold and courageous and step out where, where this opportunity is leading us. And we've made a strategic decision here at IFC to start a fourth service in the fall. Yeah. Really? Yes. We've made a decision to start a fourth service in the fall and to take the third floor planning of its expansion to the next level. We believe both of those happen at the same time. The third floor, as you know, is, uh, is Children's Church Kids World Expansion and IFC Youth Expansion all belong on the third floor. We're very excited about this, to say the least. Amen. Our fourth service will start 
Sunday, October 6th. Each service will be 60 minutes long. And service times will be 8.30, 10 o'clock, 11.30, and 1 o'clock. We are super excited about this. I got to tell you. We really are. Let me tell you something. I've read stories. I think you have too. And maybe you've experienced this firsthand. I've read stories where a businessman or a businesswoman were at a certain level in their business. You know, tens of thousands of profit. They make a strategic decision, and now they're making millions. They make a certain other certain decisions to hire the right person, to do a certain thing, to take a certain step, and now they're doing tens of millions. I've heard of families who've made certain decisions to live a certain way, and God begins to bless them, and the children come, and they honor God, and legacy begins to happen. I know people that have been strategic in, in leaving one job. It, it seemed like great people, but God was leading them to another place. And as God directed them, and suddenly they're, they're running divisions and they're, they're executive level. People that have made certain decisions to go back to school. And, and it seemed inconvenient with the children and all the busyness and working late hours and burning the midnight oil. And suddenly opportunities begin to happen. And, and now there's more money being made. There's more opportunities happen. Because we, we were courageous enough to say, I can do that. I don't know if I'm ready, but I know I feel this leading. I feel God guiding me. I feel like I need to go through that door of courage. I believe this decision to add a fourth service is exactly that. We've been growing at a certain place. We've been growing at a certain pace since we added that third service. And I believe that it's one of those decisions that how God does it and how God produces all that he's going to do, we'll leave the how up to him. But we have to make certain steps of faith to open the door for God to do what he wants to do in that exponential way that he wants to do it. I believe there are churches that I know that have made certain decisions that have catapulted them to make even greater impact and influence for the honor and glory of God. I believe this is one of those decisions. I love it that Jesus set the example for us. Listen very carefully to me as I close. I get three closings today. (laughs) His death on the cross was an opportunity, not an inconvenience. This fourth service is an opportunity, not an inconvenience. To be able to preach four times on a Sunday is an opportunity not an inconvenience. Amen. I get it. Do I want to do it? I have till October to get ready. Amen. Of course I want to do it. Absolutely. Serving, blessing others, using your gift to make a difference to somebody else. It's an opportunity. It's not an inconvenience. And for some reason, you're still sitting on the sidelines and you're not in the game using your gift. I invite you to join Team IFC. I invite you to be a part of this amazing team that's making an eternal difference in people's lives. To use your gift, amen, to use that smile of yours, to use that ability that God's given you, amen, to help somebody else recognize there's a God that loves them and cares deeply about them, amen. And I close my last scripture, says Matthew 9, 30. I love this. Jesus said it. He said, when he saw the vast crowds of people, Jesus's heart was deeply moved with compassion because they seemed weary and helpless, like wandering sheep without a shepherd. 
you look this verse up in other translations, amen, and, and get into the original language of these words seemed weary and helpless, here's what you find. These are the people that are all around us that we intersect on a daily basis. Weary, worn out, bewildered, harassed, worried, distressed, dejected, downcast, fainting on the ground, troubled in their minds, and helpless. And guess what? We have the honor to help those people. We have the honor to reach them. That's why we're doing this. At this stage of my, my experience and, and ministry and, and, and experience on this level, this is not an ego decision. This is not a decision to, oh, we get to have more services than the church down the street. It has nothing to do with that. We're in trouble if that's our reason for doing this. Our reason for doing this is just very simple. Our why is we have an opportunity to reach more people far from God. We have more opportunity to reach people just like you. Amen. That need a good message, that need help, that need Jesus, that need to know that he loves you, that needs an affirming uh, environment where people get celebrated and not tolerated. Amen. Where people become community and family, where we learn and grow and we have the best that God has for us. Absolutely. Amen. So please be praying for us. Please uh, be in that place. There's a card. You have that card, Pastor Tom? I keep forgetting to mention this. And, um, and why don't you stand to your feet with me. Um, on your way out, you're going to be getting this prayer card. All it is is talking about opportunity. On, the, on one side, there's just prayer targets. We, absolutely, we need your prayers. We're doing our best to obey God. We really are. We thank God that God has given us some strategy and He'll continue to help us answer every question that anybody might have about going to a fourth service. But I would love for you to put this on your refrigerator, on your mirror, on your desk, someplace. And will you help us pray, please? Will you cover us in prayer? Will you cover our team in prayer? Will you cover us and let us say, okay, God, help them hear from you. Help them be in the know so they can go with the flow as we reach more people and we're willing to, to be inconvenienced and willing to set our schedule aside and do exactly what we feel like we are called to do so you can do what you are called to do. Amen. What a team we make. Will you raise your hands towards heaven today? Oh, Father, we bless you today. I pray that these words have touched hearts. It stretched us. It stretched me. We raise our hands to you and say we surrender to your plan and to your purpose. You never allow us to go through something we can't handle. You're always leading us and guiding us by your spirit. You love us too much to hurt us, and you're too wise to make a mistake with our lives. We believe that today. Father, we raise our hands to say, forgive us for our indifferent heart, a heart that's gotten hard, a heart that's been consumed with self. When as a child of God, Jesus, you never came. You didn't die from my comfort zone. You came for me to grow, to be better, to reach my full potential to be a blessing to my world, to be light in the middle of darkness. We don't do that casually. We do that intentionally. And Father, we say, not out of convenience, but we mean it today. We surrender all to you. We're not afraid to step through this door. We're not afraid to be inconvenienced and interrupted. We're not afraid to be courageous. We're not afraid to know which doors to walk through and which doors to walk past. We thank you, Father, that you, you are opening doors for each one of us, and we will not 
be afraid. Thanks for listening. To stay connected, find out our service times, or how you can get involved, please visit inclfamilychurch.com for more information. Our mission at International Family Church is to help you know God for yourself, to find freedom in your life, to discover your God-given purpose, and help you make a difference in the lives of those around you. One of the easiest ways you can do that is simply by sharing this podcast and connecting with us online. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening.